Welcome back to the Outreach Project family. This is Josh. This is Zach. We are joined with... I'm Rob Bergman. This is Rob Bergman, Executive Pastor, First Church God, Columbia City. We are in the Bergman office. We are. Welcome. Welcome to my office. Oh, thank you. Glad you you guys are here. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. So, kind of, uh, let's get started with um, what you do here at the church, what your role looks like. Yeah, that is, uh, I would say that's a, an often asked question. Yeah. yeah, where people will go, it usually sounds like this. So what do you do exactly? And fair enough. I think it's a fair question. Um, so as the executive pastor, um, my responsibility is really connected to our staff. And I think I think a lot of times where the question is, um, where the question comes from is because um, people don't realize that we're a pretty large church and have a pretty large staff, um, including preschool teachers. There's um, a little over 30 staff people that, that work here part-time and full-time. Um, so I oversee the staff um, at a top level, uh, the the different directors of the different ministry areas. Um, so I'm involved with them in their day-to-day jobs mm-hmm. and what they're doing and how they're serving the church as a whole. Um, so that's by and large what I do. And then I get a chance to preach sometimes and involved in some of the vision casting and the in the um, the uh, organization of the preaching schedule and, and how all that's working. Yeah. How long have you been here? I've been here for two years. Two years. Yeah. So yeah. Just over. Work. Yeah. I know. I can't believe it. Yeah. And where did you live prior to Columbia City? So <clears throat> I grew up in Columbia City. Okay. Uh, and uh, as a, I was born in Dayton, Ohio. I was a, uh, a baby when my family moved. It was a job switch. We moved to Columbia City. So then I lived in Columbia City f- until I graduated high school and then moved to uh, Central Kentucky to go to college. Went to Asbury University, studied theology, um, out of college, then moved to the Indianapolis area and was a youth pastor there for four years. And then uh, after that, we moved to St. Louis. um, And I was a pastor at a church in St. Louis for 15 years. Wow. And then we came to Columbia City. All right. Back to Columbia City, so kind of full circle. When did Rachel join that picture? So uh, Rachel and I, we dated in high school. Okay. And then we ended up going to the same college. The story that I always tell uh, is that we were in our junior, senior year. We were dating. We knew it was time to begin to think through colleges, and we very much we're saying what we need to do is we need to make some decisions on our own as individuals about where we wanted to go to school. And uh, so we kind of stopped talking to each other about that. I knew some of the schools that were on her list. She knew some of the schools that were on my list. Some of them were the same. Some of them were different. And we, um, we did all of our visits and made our decision and kind of had a reveal to each other. And we both picked the same school. So we ended up both ended up at Asbury University. So then we got married in college. Um, and so she was in the picture in high school and then through college and on. What did she study? She studied elementary education. 
Wow. She was a teacher for a few years, and then she's had a number of different careers based on kind of our life circumstances. Mm-hmm. God's just been really faithful, and, and she is such an entrepreneur that she's been able to kind of uh, do a bunch of different things from she taught for a little while, and then she worked at a gym, and then she started a business, an in-home personal training business, um, and then most recently for the last... Uh, five or six years she's been in real estate. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, kind of all all over the place. She's been all over, yep. Yeah. So you guys both grew up in Columbia City. Do you want to start yep. from uh, what your life looked like growing up and then yeah. um, kind of intertwine how you came to faith yeah. in that journey? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, I grew up in Columbia City, and uh, and I grew up in a home that was, for all intents and purposes, very uh, irreligious. Just there was a void of any sort of faith, any sort of religion, um, and uh, like I remember as a small child, uh, very young going to like a midnight mass at a Catholic church, I think at St. Paul's, uh, a couple of times like at Christmas, uh, maybe even just one time. Okay. So the church was just nothing, nothing a part of our family. Um, but it was, a, it was a pretty volatile growing up. Um, There's a lot of volatility in my home between my parents um, and uh, I, I think some substance abuse and some uh, some domestic violence kinds of things. I mean, it was just a, it was just a rough home, uh, rough home life, and uh, and so somewhere all, along the way, like my. Um, I'd say my between my eighth grade and freshman year, everything sort of came to a head, and my parents finally called it quits. And I say finally because it was like a multitude of times where my dad would leave. And are we getting it? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Um, a multitude of times where my dad would leave. Um, and uh, uh, my parents would separate, and then he would come back, and they would separate, okay. and he would come back, and they would separate, and uh, so then finally, when they when he did uh, when they did divorce, the marriage ended, and uh, and it was I was heading into high school, and it was a tough couple of years in my, those first couple of years of high school because I've got now two parents who are uh, in their own rights, kind of licking their wounds where. My dad is gone, um, and and really don't have a relationship with him anymore. My mom, I'm living with my mom, but she's just trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what does life look like now. This is real. This is official. Uh, how do we make ends meet? How do we do this? And um, so, sir, uh, for the first couple of years of high school, I just kind of had to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And as I look back on those first few years of my freshman and sophomore year, 
uh, I'm grateful that I think that God in, in many ways was protecting me um, because I just I had all the freedom that I wanted, uh, all the freedom a freshman or sophomore in high school could ever ask for. Uh, and I just I, I sort of just tested that. And uh, it, it would be that I would I was supposed to be home at a certain time and I would be home at that time. And then I would uh, I would push that a little bit and, and maybe just be a little late and see what would happen and nothing would happen. And then I would be like a lot late and nothing would happen. And then I would uh, stay out most of the night and nothing would happen. And then I would just tell my mom that I was going to spend the night with some friends and, and it was fine. And then eventually I wouldn't even say that I was going to go spend the night with friends. I would just would. And I realized over a really short period of time, I'm on my own. I can do whatever I want. And, uh, and with that kind of freedom for a 15, 16 year old, you can, you could get into a lot of trouble. And, um, thankfully I didn't, I did a little bit. Um, I didn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of trouble. And, um, but, but somewhere in the midst of, I think my sophomore year of high school, hanging out with, um, just a, a, a conglomerate of different people. And I just started looking around at my life and I had this really interesting experience where, um, one night I, it was like this, there's no better word for it than like this existential experience where it was just like almost out of body experience where I thought to myself, there has to be more to life than this. As like a 16-year-old, I, I somehow was able to look into the future and see the trajectory of life, um, and and I and I was I was like hopeless. Like I looked out ahead and thought that doesn't look good. Like that doesn't look appealing. That doesn't look um, satisfying. And this is like the rest of my life, there has to be more. That's what I thought to myself. There has to be more than this. And I believe that uh, I didn't know that this is what was happening, but I believe God heard that as a prayer. I think that that was the first time I ever actually prayed uh, because I was reaching out to something or someone beyond myself. Um, So from there, God, God began to just send people my way. And it was through relationships, entirely through relationships. Some other people who were kind of seeking in their own ways and other people who were uh, followers of Jesus inviting me into different things. So like campus life kinds of things like um, Youth for Christ and youth groups and, you know, different things like that. And and it was through, uh, it started with a Bible study at a, at a Youth for Christ um, group. Uh, the the Youth for Christ leader invited a few guys, said, hey, you guys you want to come and do a Bible study? And I was like, I've never opened the Bible in my life, but sure, why not? Because I like these guys and let's do it. And I rem- remember sitting and, and chatting with uh, with Tom um, and studying the book of John, and which was great. And then eventually uh, um, I uh, was working over at Richard's Restaurant. 
Wow. And this girl started working at Richard's restaurant and uh, she and I started to hang out and became friends and she invited me to her youth group and uh, I went to this youth group and the youth pastor just immediately took me under his wing and he began to um, tell me all about this Jesus and he began to just walk with me through life and mentor me and all kinds of things. And there was one particular night at his youth group. I'd go out every Wednesday night. Um, this one partic- particular night where he clearly shared the gospel, clearly shared, this is who Jesus is. And uh, this is our sin nature. This is, uh, this is the, the brokenness of each of us. And, uh, and this is what life in, in Jesus looks like. And uh, ex- he explained the whole thing and invited people to receive Jesus as their savior. Um, and uh, what would always happen at youth group was there was a, the youth group time and then there was a little break and then like an after party that happened um, kind of close yeah. by where the church was. Um, and he invited people to come at the end of the youth group time to receive Jesus. And, uh, and I hightailed it out of there. And I was like, no, hey, I'm not doing this. Uh, I don't know what I think about all this. And I kind of freaked out. And I just left and went over to the after party. And uh, the youth pastor then came and found me later. And he was like, hey, uh, when we were talking about this, like your eyes were as big as saucers. What's going on? And so we sat down in the midst of this whole party. Uh, we sat down and just had a conversation between the between he and I, and we talked more about about Jesus and and who he is and what it means to follow him. And then he asked, "Are you are you ready to to receive him as your savior?" Um, so it was in the middle of this party that I said, "Yes, yes, I'm ready." And I wow. prayed and received him as my savior. And, uh, and I remember then leaving youth group that leaving the party in the youth group last night, that night. And, um, and, uh, this girl that had brought me, uh, she and I were standing outside as we were about to leave. And I told her, I was like, Oh yeah, by the way, um, I accepted Jesus like really casually. And she was like, what you accepted yeah. Jesus. That's a, that's incredible. And I'll never forget it. She, uh, she looked at me and she said, Rob, do you understand that right now there is a chorus of angels erupting in a party in heaven over you. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. Oh, cool. And, and she said, yeah, yeah, no, not just like in general, like over you right now. And I wept. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's amazing. Um, and got my car and left and... Um, and it was from there. I don't know if it was right away, but it was sometime pretty quickly after that, that I remembered that moment where I went, there has to be more to life than this. And I just had this sense, like the Holy spirit kind of nudged in and was like, there is, and it's Jesus. It's following Jesus is the path to this more and better and abundant life. And my life has just never been the same. And that girl that invited me to the youth group is the girl that I ended up marrying. So yeah. she was the girl that I started dating in high school. And then, and then we got married a few yeah. years later. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What age was that roughly? So I was probably, uh, I think it was my junior year of high school. So I was probably 17. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Was that a first church of God youth group? So, no? so that was at Big Lake Church of God. Okay. That's where I went to youth group, and then I came to first church on Sunday mornings. Okay. So Sunday morning here, and sometimes I would do the youth group here, um, but most of the time I was doing youth group out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've got roots, roots that go way back at yeah. first church. And then like 20 years later, you came back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been in, uh, well, let's do quick math here. That would have been like in 1997, and I came back in, we came back in 2021. Wow. So 24. 24 years later. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's crazy how God works. And, yeah. In those ways. Um, let's, okay, let's rewind. Let's, uh, Lighthearted a little bit. Sure. What do you like to do for fun? Ooh, what do I like to do for fun? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say a lot of what I do for fun uh, revolves around family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and two kids. Uh, my kids are uh, my son, Caden, just turned 18, and my daughter, Claire, is 15. She'll be 16. This. Uh, July. And so just, uh, we like to do things together, um, between mostly it's like pretty low key stuff. Like we love like cooking dinner together or playing games together as a family. Uh, recently we have all converged we've all had different times where we have enjoyed like exercising in different ways. But recently we've all like enjoyed running some, like all four of us. So we've wow. been like doing races together, like five K's. And I think my wife just today signed us up for a 10 K actually two people are doing a 10 K and the other two are doing five K. Um, so things like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite sports teams, favorite yeah. movies? Yeah. Favorite? Yeah. We were talking about sports teams yeah. earlier, and uh, it was a mixed bag over here with you two. Um, <laughs> I remember being uh, a, a young kid and uh, walking up to my friend uh, Matt Moore. Uh, okay. His brothers are over at Grace, mm-hmm. uh, Mark and Scott, in the athletic department there. But they were just, they were tiny little boys. And I went over to my friend Matt's house. I was probably in, oh gosh, I bet I was in second or third grade. And I walked up to the door, knocked on the door, and his dad opened the door. And uh, I said, hey, I'm just here to, to hang out with Matt. And he said, son, Indiana or Purdue? And I looked past him through the door, and I saw a bunch of Indiana stuff, and I was like, Indiana, sir. So from that moment, <laughs> I've been an Indiana fan. That was my moment. Wow. Yeah. That's wise. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've grown to uh, have a passionate dislike for Purdue, <laughs> which as does any diehard Indiana fan. From that day. From that day, yeah. Yeah, from that day. Thanks to Jack Moore. Hmm. Some people would not say thanks to him. But. <laughs> right. That's okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Got any professional sports teams? Uh, you know, less. 
I, I, I think I follow professional sports less. I right now is about the time that I start to pay attention to the NBA. Uh, is about finals. the finals. I, yeah, sometimes we'll watch the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, uh, but uh, but but yeah, usually about the about the finals is when I'll watch. Um, so I'm I'm sort of interested. Uh, I was sort of interested in watching LeBron break the the scoring okay. record, all time scoring record. I'm sort of interested to see if he and Bronny are going to end up playing together. Yeah. Um, so, like, if they do, then I probably would watch one or two of those games. Yeah. Um, uh, football. I uh, historically have been a Colts fan, but they are bad. A, they're bad. They're hard. They're hard to like right now. So that is, I would, I would say that that is maybe uh, in hibernation would be my love mm-hmm. for the Colts. Uh, when I moved to St. Louis, I was a, I grew up a Reds fan in baseball and uh, with a little bit of Cubs sprinkled in. But then I moved to St. Louis. And as you can imagine, the diehard sports uh, fans in St. Louis are Cardinals fans. So I did switch. I said, if I'm going to switch an allegiance, I'm not going to be a Rams fan. That turned out good for me. Yeah, good. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and I don't really have much interest in hockey. So I lived there 15 years and never once went to a Blues game. Which is seems silly, but it just never did. Uh, not without opportunity. I just it just never happened, <laughs> right? So I switched allegiances from the Reds to the Cardinals, and I would say that I'm still a Cardinals fan. Okay. Yeah, but this year they're miserable. I, they're hard to watch. I wouldn't know. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. I think you would. Are you? Do you follow baseball? Not like, as much no? as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know that. The NL, whatever it is, Central, whatever division the Cubs and Cardinals are in is yeah, pretty uh, mediocre this year. Yeah, it's not the worst division in the league though. Yeah. Hmm. Uh huh. So does that mean you're a Cubs fan? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So Cubs and Cardinals, that's a that's a rivalry like no other. Like IU sure. and Purdue. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue IU Purdue is deeper. It's deeper, but it's. That's how you'd most compare it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it go it it gets pretty nasty. Okay. Yeah, if you go to a Cubs Cardinals game, it gets chippy in the stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, question: You were at a church in yeah. St. Louis. Yes. Now you're at First Church. Uh-huh. What are some differences in those churches? Now, obviously, you have a bit different roles, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are some differences or similarities? Yeah. Uh, so the church that I was at in St. Louis, uh, was uh, when I first started in St. Louis, uh, at the church in St. Louis, it was a, a church very, very similar to first church. Um, maybe a little larger, um, but not a ton larger. Um, 
and uh, a little bit different context because it's in a in a bigger city, a suburb of a bigger city. Okay. So some things like that. But then the church grew and uh, and and uh, and was became a multi site church. So it was one church that met in multiple yep. locations around the city. Uh, so that was the biggest difference. I mean that that really uh, changes the just really the nature of the church as a whole and when you're when you're doing multi site ministry. So for the longest time, I was a youth pastor um, overseeing uh, the youth ministry across different campuses. So I was really working huh. with a bunch of different youth pastors but at a bunch of different campuses. The main youth mm-hmm. pastor. Yep. Then? Yep. So you would travel to the different youth groups, different nights, and yep, uh, some some different nights, um, and and some of it was just kind of coaching and, and training and developing the youth pastors through the week, yep. and then they they did their thing and did a great job, and then I I spent most of my time with students at the main campus. Okay. Yeah, so that's I think that'd probably be the big difference, um, but yeah, lots of similarities and just in the sense of like it's such a um, like such a great group of people. Um, like that's that's the part of what I just love about church is is it really is a, a community of people who, by and large, um, are are chasing after Jesus and, and wanting to follow Him and following Him follow Him deeply and and really do want to dig into God's Word and grow and. Develop Develop and um, so there's lots of those kinds of similarities of just a, a group of people that I that we just love deeply and loved our loved our family at the crossing in, in St. Louis and have come to love in a very short amount of time the family here at First Church just love love the people here. Mm-hmm. Did your role develop? At that church, into... it did. Yeah. Okay. When I first started, like I said, it was just one campus, yep. and it was the youth pastor uh, hired me because the youth group was just kind of getting big, and he needed some help. Um, so I came on as just kind of his associate student pastor and worked alongside him. And then he his role changed, uh, and he began to oversee some other things. So then I stepped into uh, the youth pastor role at a single campus church mm-hmm. um, and we hired a few staff and so it, it my role developed as the church grew and we had to just continue to scale and then when we started launching campuses then it was like yeah we're scaling at a whole different yeah. level um, and then by the end the last few years I, I transitioned out of youth ministry and I was the campus pastor at one of the campuses so then oversaw one of the campuses that launched the newest campus Um, was a part of um, helping get the building built and hire all the staff and 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 get the thing off the ground yeah what all goes into launching a campus oh man um, it depends on the church. Uh, a lot of churches do it. Lots of uh, lots of different churches do it lots of different ways. Yeah. But for us, it was really uh, it began with identifying uh, one of two things. Um, it was one was is there a geographical area of the city that we were saying I think this is an opportunity for us where there's some need that we can step into so really thinking church planting kinds of things um, so we were really looking at that but we were also looking at our other campuses and going are there any other campuses that are that are at a size that it might be good to split off and say let's let's launch off of a current 
campus because that campus is pretty big. We're probably not going to expand their building. We're going to launch a, another campus um, somewhere similar uh, geography where people then can can go to that campus. And that was sort of the growth the growth process there. So so at the beginning it was identifying those kinds of things, and then we found a, a location that kind of fit within all of those ramifications or all those uh, all of those um, uh, kind of grids that we were looking through. Um, and then it was the process of building the building and there was, uh, we had a, you know, operations kinds of people that were doing that. And I got to just kind of, uh, watch that happen and be a part of that in some ways. Uh, and then it's uh, a matter of spending a lot of time in the campus that we were launching off of, uh, to get to know those folks, to identify some people that were like, we want to be pioneers. We want to be people to now go over to this campus, um, and invest in this area of the city and really begin to draw people in and, and, and help people come to Jesus and all that. Um, so spent a bunch of months at that campus building relationships and, and finding leaders and, and people that wanted to come over. Um, and then, and then when it's launch time, then we're, you know, hiring some staff and getting ministries ready to go and youth ministry and children's ministry and all that. And, and then we're off to the races. How long is that process? So it was probably, I'd say, about a year, 18 months yeah. from the first time that we really said, I th- yes, we're going to do this. Yeah. We've been talking about it for a, for a couple years. And then when it was official, yes, we're going to do it. Um, and I was invited into it and saying, I, I, we think that we'd like for you to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about 18 months. That's something like different. That you've yeah. ever done. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was it scary? Uh, yeah, in some ways, um, but it was more exciting than anything. Like it was, uh, it was invigorating in so many ways of just like going, we're, we're, we have no idea we're going to dream and, um, and we're going to, uh, get to cast vision and, uh, and really tell a big story to people and, and invite people in. And, um, and it was, it was really faith building because it, it was like, we don't know what we're doing. Um, and we don't know what this looks like. And it was hard. There were bumps along the way. Um, there were difficulties along the way. There was, you know, people really wrestling with whether or not they wanted to like, well, but we love our campus. We yeah. love our church and I'm not sure if we want to go. And, um, so it was, it was harder than we thought. We thought, oh, this will be easy. People will be like ready to go. But this campus had done such a good job at building community that they had just loved it there. Um, so it was more challenging than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Which is a good challenge, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Yeah, you want people to call church home and not, yes. not want to leave. Yeah. 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 We don't want a bunch of people going, oh, finally, I'm out of here. <laughs> New campus, let's go. <laughs> let's get out of here. This one stinks, man. Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So that's kind of a big transition in that church. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Now, speaking of transitions, our church is in a transition Yes. Now. Yes, we um, are. What that transition is finding a senior pastor, um, yeah. and you're pretty involved in that. Yeah. What goes into that process of finding a new senior pastor? Yeah, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, Which is good. You don't want it to be quick and easy. And 
Yeah. Just plug that's the right. guy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, um, so that's a, it's another experience I've never been a part of. So mm-hmm. I've, I've worked at three churches now um, and been in ministry for, you know, 20 plus years. And I've never been in a situation where we've, where I've been in a church that transitioned to senior pastor. It's my first time. Uh, even the churches that I attended, uh, in high school and even in college, I never experienced a senior pastor transition until now. It's so it's brand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's brand new experience for me, even just as somebody attending a church, um, let alone in, in sort of leadership. Mm-hmm. So, um, what goes into it is, uh, is a number of different things. What we've done. I mean, that's probably the best way to talk about it. What okay. we've done, uh, is, uh, we've first identified that we probably need some help from, uh, from an organization that can do some upfront work for us. Um, so we, uh, we engage with a, a national organization that does this a ton. They, they help staff the church uh, and uh, they do some coaching and consulting. Um, and then really uh, they, they search, they, they use their networks nationwide and really even globally in some senses uh, to find the right person for you. So in order to do that, uh, they, there's been a, you know, months long work uh, working with them to develop what uh, is called a church profile, which goes through everything from theology um, to uh, some of just the values of the church, uh, to demographics, to the uh, what's the community like, um, a bunch of different things like that to really paint a picture of this is First Church of God. Uh, and this is who First Church of God is uh, is looking for to lead them because this is who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of work with our leadership team, with our staff, um, asking uh, asking questions and filling out um, some some surveys and some different things like that. So uh, our, our the person that we're working with in this uh, search firm, Vanderbilt and Search Group, um, he's done a great job at putting all of that together. So then what happens uh, from here, and this is about where we are in the process now, is he takes that information and he begins to now uh, engage with the different people that he knows um, and uh, and sort of puts it out in the networks of Vanderblumen, which is really wide, uh, deeply rooted, and uh, begins to search for people for us, um, running them through this church profile grid and going, this is who this church is. And they're thinking through, does this person fit? And then the person gets to kind of engage with that as well. And if there's a mutual agreement that, yeah, this might be a good fit, then they'll, they'll, uh, what Vanderbilt will do is bring uh, about three to five candidates to our search team. So we've identified a search team, which is a few people from our leadership team and some lay leaders. Um, there are seven people on that team, and they will now begin to get uh, batches of candidates where they will process through those candidates and uh, and uh, think through, again, the church profile and knowing who we are and, and kind of the, the nature of the person that we're looking for. Um, and uh, and then they'll interview some people, and then if they get down to somebody where they go, I think this is a good person or two that we really need to consider, then they'll pass those people along to the leadership team. And then the leadership team will continue that process until we get down to one person that we really feel like God's leading us to 
this person. Um, and then we'll bring that person in to preach and to present to the congregation and then ultimately affirm with a vote. Wow. That was very clear. Thank you. For yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. We've tried to be really thorough, um, but also we've tried to kind of have a, a, a way that we can communicate it clearly um, because it, it, we do want people to know that it's thorough. It, this isn't just a, well, I mean, do you know anyone or do you know anyone? I mean, I guess we'll, you know, how can we, how can we do this? Yeah. I got a, I got a cousin over in Arkansas and yeah. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta make sure that we're really looking far and wide and really praying through this and going, God, would you lead us through it? So that's the underneath it all. It's the foundation of prayer, right? We've called our church and, and many people know this. We've called our church community together to say, let's bathe this thing in prayer. Mm-hmm. and ask the Holy Spirit to lead in every bit of it, from the search firm to the, uh, our search team to the interviews and the conversations that happen, the whole thing, let's bathe it all in prayer. Yeah. Were you on the opposite end of that when you got hired on to here? Is this in some way, the yeah. same kind of company that... It was a similar process minus the, we didn't use a search firm. Um, it was, a, it was a situation when I was brought on, um, that th- there was a recognition of needing, um, an executive pastor, uh, and, and really it was even, um, a recognition of, of needing some things that, uh, based on some conversations that I was having with, um, with a couple of our elders and, and a few people that I was, I'd gotten to the place from my last church of going, I think that I, I my, my wife and I, Rachel and I were just kind of going, I think, I think we're done. I think we're ready to move on. We're not sure what that means. We're not sure where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think we might be ready. And, and then maybe even let's look in this general geographical area, Northeast Indiana. Um, so we were talking to churches in Fort Wayne and Warsaw and South Bend and kind of in Chicago, kind of all over this area. Um, and, and then somewhere along the way, I began a conversation with some folks here, uh, more in a consulting kind of a context where, uh, they were just asking some questions about here's where we are as a church. And, um, and the way the conversation went was, uh, it was, I think really what you're looking for based on what I'm hearing is you need some, uh, you need some, some leadership, you need some, some help when it comes to um, some execution of vision and, and, and different things like that. And, uh, and I, and typically what I see in churches is that role is an executive pastor. And they said, yeah, that's sort of what we've been thinking as well. Um, Are you interested? And I was like, oh, um, (laughs) as a matter of fact, I think I might be interested in starting a conversation. So that's how that went. And then we, you know, went through then a a very thorough process of interviews and and meeting people. And and, how long was that process? Uh, Let's see. So um, the process in terms of time was pretty quick. It was a couple months. Um, And in, in, and hiring a, a, a pastors, oftentimes that's that's pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was somewhere in the around the holidays, like post Christmas, um, and was when it really began. And then I started in early March. Okay. Yeah. But you had to meet a leadership team, elders. Yeah, like did all pretty, that. Yeah. Pretty deep. Yeah. Yep. 
did, did your all wife that. get interviewed at all for that? She was involved in, in some of that. Yeah, they got to know her. Uh, one of the things for us as a church is that um, obviously a husband and wife are um, need to be on the same page, yep. and you really need to understand where uh, where the the person's wife is when it comes to ministry and and just the nature of where her heart is. Um, but but we're very committed to uh, we're hiring the pastor. We're not hiring their wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not, we're not dragging in a bunch of expectations on the yeah. wife because sometimes a church can kind of feel like a husband wife is a package deal. We're hired. We're really kind of hiring both of them. Um, and that's just not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But the supportive wife is important for sure. Yeah. 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 Got to yep. be on the same page. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Question? What kind of made you want to pursue ministry as a career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from that, I'm assuming that played a role in your college and everything. So why'd you pick the co- what college you picked and yeah. that whole idea of a question? Yeah, great question. Um, so so then I, I I came to faith my mm-hmm. junior year of high school. And as you guys know, then kind of your junior, senior year is really where you're kind of starting to go, what do I want to do with my life in terms of a career? And um, and so that was just a a really fresh kind of thought process for me. And I just remember looking at um, this. This Hank was the youth pastor. Um, I just remember looking at Hank and going, I see what he's given his life to. And I think when I look at myself and I look at the way that God has wired me uh, and look at some of my passions and my giftedness and things like that, I, I think I think that's what I want to do. I, th- I think ministry is maybe what I want to think through. Uh, and then to the other part of your question of did that, did that determine a college trajectory and what I studied and all that? Absolutely, because then I was going, well... So I'm 17, and I just received Jesus as my Savior, and I grew up in a home, irreligious home. I remember sitting with Hank in his living room as he was discipling me, uh, and he would ask me questions like, "Well, what do you want to? What do you want to talk about? Like, what do you want to study?" And I was like, well, "I don't know, probably like the basics." And he was like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" And I was like. Well, I don't know what I mean by that, but like, yeah. like the basics. And he was like, well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, some of like the, you know, Jonah and Noah's Ark and Abraham and Moses. I mean, you know, a lot of that stuff. Right. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, who are these guys you speak of? Uh, and he was like, come on, Rob, really? I was like, yeah, no, I don't know. He's like, you've never heard the story of, of Noah's Ark. I was like, I don't know. No. Uh, so I'm 17 years old, and I never heard any of those stories. Uh, I never knew. So some dude got swallowed by a whale? Are you serious? That's amazing. Tell me more. Um, uh, you know, in the, the Noah's Ark and the flood, and he was like, well, let me tell you about the rainbow and, you know, and what that means. And I was like, no way. That's what the rain. No, um, I mean just every single story along the way. It was brand new for me, so it's in that context that I'm going. I think I'm. I think God's calling me to be a pastor. And somebody says, "Turn to the to the book of John," and I got to go table of contents, man. I'm like, I don't know where that is. Uh, so I knew straight away I'm going to have to get some sort of uh, biblical studies, some sort of theology degree 
straight away. Um, so that's what determined I, I need to go to a Christian school. I need to, uh, I need to study theology, biblical studies. Um, and it was hard for me. My first college course was a, just a New Testament survey class. It was just the basics, like just, just skipping along the surface of the New Testament. I got a D. I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, I bypassed, yeah, yeah. Boom. but I was sweating it to the end, man, I was sweating it, Go, man, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm cut out for this, because I'm getting a D in New Testament survey, um, so it was tough, um, and then I knew from there, four years of, of pretty intense study, um, then jumped into ministry, and I knew I wanted a little break. Um, but I uh, and I wanted to to get some years under my belt and then go back and do some seminary work, some graduate work. And mm-hmm. so a few years later, I uh, I I went back to seminary and got a graduate degree in theology From... as well. Fuller Theological Seminary. Okay, where's that at? It's in uh, Pasadena, California. But I did it online. Yeah, because um, we weren't going to move to Pasadena. Yeah. It'd be tough. Be tough to do. Online school is a beautiful thing. It is. Yep, it is. Uh, it's also really difficult to have two small children and a full-time job and be doing a graduate program. Yeah, well. <laughs> but we did it. We made it through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've touched a few ways God has worked in your life. Um, but what's some, some other ways you've seen God work? Yeah. This is a broad it question, is. right? It is. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to ask the biggest way you've seen because that's pretty subjective, I would say. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me personally, yeah. um, I've certainly, um, um, I've certainly sat across the table from people. Even at, oddly enough, we're in my office, and this is a table in my office. I've sat at this table across from people, and I've seen the manifest presence of God show up and transform people's lives right before our eyes, uh, and just in, in through conversation and asking questions and praying and uh, and digging into to heart stuff and going, what is it that God needs to heal in somebody's heart? Because I believe that that we can indeed be transformed. That God is still in the business of transforming lives. I believe it. I watch it. I see it happen. And I think that so often I just go back to how he's done that in my life. And, um, and you know, so for me it was, uh, you know, I, I get um, into my mid-20s now. And I had this really tumultuous childhood. And and then a first couple of years of high school that were just a mess. And then praying that prayer of there's got to be more to life than, than what my first 15 years has been. And and then God shows up and answers that prayer in, a, in, in such a rich, tangible way. And I go, wow, that's incredible. And, uh, and it was like this... Um, this honeymoon, like it was just this beautiful first five or six years of just basking in the presence of God and just basking in, in the reality of, of, of new life. And, um, and then somewhere in my mid twenties, it was as if God said, okay, 
Now, let's go back because there's a bunch of hurt that you've experienced. Uh, it's, it's what one, uh, one author, uh, counselor, pastor, counselor, author, um, his name's Dan Allender. Uh, he talks about this idea of broken shalom. And the idea of shalom is, is the base level. It's peace, right? Um, but but it's, it, it means something way deeper. It's like this idea of wholeness. It's like when, when God puts everything together as it should be, it's shalom. And uh, which obviously then is there's, there's peace to that, and, which is a beautiful thing. And, um, but along the way, what Dan, Dan Allender talks about is that, you, that each of us have places along the way in our story and in our lives where, where we experience this, this uh, shalom being broken, broken shalom. Uh, and it's little things and big, big things along the way. It's cumulative things. It's all kinds of things. And, and so there was, you know, a number of different things as I look back in my story that I recognize were these, these places of broken shalom. So I found myself in, um, in a counselor's office, um, and, and just began to process through my story and, and found as a Christian counselor and he connected everything back to scripture as we process through all this stuff. Um, and, and it was tremendous transformation for me, uh, going into bits and pieces, going into my story in, in different ways. Um, and, and, and him being able to say in moments where I saw just the worst of my, of my home, where, uh, where my, my dad is in handcuffs and getting carted off to jail and, uh, and just devastation happening right before my eyes and him and him inviting me back into that and saying, no little boy should have to see his dad like that. That was not okay. And Jesus wants to step in and he wants to grieve with you in that and going to places like, um, the story of Lazarus, if you guys know, this, know that story, um, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And if you go through that whole story, it's a tremendous story where Lazarus is sick and uh, Mary and Martha call for Jesus. Like, you got to get here. Lazarus is sick. And they know, they believe Jesus can heal him, right? Um, and for whatever reason, Jesus doesn't come. And then Lazarus dies. And then Jesus comes. And both one after the, uh, one after the other, Mary and Martha show up and go to Jesus and go, "If you'd only been here, you could have healed him." And uh, and it was just, it's just a devastating story. And uh, and if if you know the end of the story, because I started with it, it's Jesus raising Lazarus from <laughs> yeah. the dead. He heals him, so we know what's going to happen. And Jesus and His sovereignty knows what's going to happen. You'd think that in that moment, he would look at Mary and Martha and go, ladies, enough. Just ah, stop. Just stop. And check this out. Poof. And heal him. And that's not how the story goes. And it's the shortest verse in the Bible, but one of them, just such an important verse in the Bible, where Jesus, in that moment weeps. Jesus wept. 
So he sits there. I think two things. Number one, he's weeping with his friends mm-hmm. because, because they're in anguish over Lazarus' death. And he's also weeping for himself, inside of himself, and saying, I am in anguish over the death of my friend, Lazarus. So he sits there and he weeps. And the weeping comes before the resurrection. So I think that Jesus invites us into those places of broken shalom. And he says, I'll be with you and I'll actually weep with you in those moments. And that's an important part of what it means to be human is to weep through those moments of broken shalom. And that's a journey, years long journey that, uh, that, uh, that my counselor just, we walked through um, and, uh, and tremendous healing occurred and tremendous transformation in my own heart and in my own life. And, um, so I, I get to sit across from people, um, and engage in, in some similar ways with people and get to watch the same kind of thing happen where we're sitting here processing through something and allowing Jesus to weep with them, uh, allowing, allowing other people to go back and go that, that you experience is not okay. And it's not the way of God. And that's not the way that Jesus intends for this world to be. We are living in a sin marred, broken world. And Jesus wants to step into it with us. And it's transformative. So those are probably, there's a, just a, a, a hundreds of those kinds of stories yeah. where is, is how I would answer the question of where I've seen God work the most. Yeah, just the peace. He yeah. Yes. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love the answer. Mm-hmm. Very real. Yeah. And at this table. At this table. In these chairs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a question? No? Mm-hmm. Not off the top of my head. No? What? Do I get to ask you guys questions? Is Go that allowed? It. Yeah. Do people do that? Yeah, that's recently been what people yeah. <laughs> recently people have turned that corner huh yeah, yeah. so um, so how old are you guys I'm 20 20 both of you are 20 yep. I'll be 21 in August okay um, so as as 20 year olds uh, obviously deeply invested in first church of God which is just beautiful. I love it. I just love your investment in this church, your investment in the other 20-somethings, your desire to like bridge gaps. And that's this part of this podcast yeah. is what you want to do, which is so fun. Um, tell me, what is it about First Church that you love? I grew up here, so... I turned three. My family moved from Roanoke to Columbia City um, to be closer to work. Um, I went to Stepping Stones here. Um, the preschool, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, wonderful preschool. Yep. And my buddies, Brooks and Cam. Were you in my preschool? I didn't go to preschool. No? You can tell. But <laughs> <laughs> He's a self-made man. He's self-taught. <laughs> but... Um, they're like, we go to church here. Yeah. I was like, I don't. What the heck? <laughs> so I went home <laughs> told my parents. We went to church here. Yeah. Been here ever since. Is that um, right? Yeah. Were you going to a church somewhere else? Uh, or just not really going to chapel, church? Chapel, I believe. Okay, so you're going over to 
to Fort Wayne. Yep. But now you lived here, and you're yep. like, well, we live let's do this. Out by county line. Okay. So was, sure. But, yeah. Anyways, um, and I loved the way um, the way people poured into me growing up through this church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very loved by, you know, um, Amy J and mm-hmm. Sunlight Club. Mm-hmm. Or no, she wasn't Sun. She was. It was Holly. It was Holly Sunlight Holly. Club. She was Sunday mm-hmm. morning. Amy Sunday J morning. Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, middle school, Matthew Cable, mm-hmm. Luke Deal, mm-hmm. Kale. Many people poured into me. Now Jeremy, and just all of the pouring into. Um, and I think this community just loves well. Yeah. Um, especially the youth. And yeah. I'm a younger lad, so. <laughs> lad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a younger guy. Um, so I'm a lad. More yeah, a lad close to that age mm-hmm. still um so it's still recent but yeah um just the way this church loves well yeah um, and yeah yeah mine's a lot of the same um i grew up here had people in this church changed my diapers back in the day <laughs> so and then just going through all the the elementary school middle school high school yeah just the love that i was shown and the investment from multi-generations in this church of just come together and love everybody so well, like Josh said. And then just with that being poured into my whole entire childhood, now being able to pour out into the younger generation, even below us. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, with the people that were peers with too, mm-hmm. this has been really cool to pour out what's been poured into me over the years and just to see how much this church actually loves people Yeah, really well. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a fairly large church. Um, mm-hmm. And so it can be hard for large groups to be close. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, we're called to go make disciples, so your church is naturally going to grow mm-hmm. um, with the grace of God and as yeah. pursuing His will. Um, but I think the small town feel really really helps with that. Yeah. Um, you come in and you can talk to people, you can engage. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful Sunday thing. Sunday morning. Yeah. Good morning, how are you? Just talking i wish we had yeah a longer time for that sunday morning but yeah so now as a couple 20 year olds if you're talking to some some folks that have maybe been around for a little while and you're going hey like we're in we're invested um we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this for another 60 years plus like we got some time mm-hmm. Um, if you were to now say uh, to some of the rest of us, uh, either this has to continue or we have to begin to think about this or this beautiful thing is going to start to kind of diminish and start to maybe kind of go away, what would be like sort of the, the warning that you would give to some of us older folks about, hey, listen, 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 pay attention to this in order, in order to see to it that this church continues to be the beautiful thing that it has been for so long? I would just like, be careful of conforming to the world. I mean, that's a trend a lot of even churches are going down and it's sad to see um 
because of the culture nowadays, if you, it's not popular to love Jesus. Um, this cancel culture stuff could <laughs> yeah. give uh, backlash. So don't be afraid. Um, don't conform to this world. Um, so, I mean, definitely watch out for the negative use of media um, mm. mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't think there's, like, anything our age you need to watch out yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, how would you answer that? Are you saying, like, a warning for, like, the older generation or a warning for people our age? For First Church of God. Hey, we want to continue for many years to come. We want to continue to be a beautiful beacon of light and hope to this world. And uh, and that looks different as decades go by, yeah. right? And so as 20-year-olds, what can we learn from the two of you that's like, hey, just the, the church needs to, needs to continue to look like this or maybe needs to do a little bit more of this? I think we need to continue to make sure that we're a multi-generational church. Um, mm-hmm. one, one person that really poured into me and Josh when we were growing up was Austin Ferguson, mm-hmm. who is a man in his 70s. Mm-hmm teaching 12-year-olds back when we were in middle school. Mm-hmm. And so often people don't have that. And having that has definitely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how the older generation can lead the younger generation, yeah. is it's really cool, Yeah, especially in a church setting because yeah. the people in the church love God a lot. And being able to pour that into the younger generation creates people that love God a lot. And so I think we just need to continue to have that multi-generational church of people pouring into people, whether that's a 20-year-old pouring into the three-year-old class, or if that's a six-year-old pouring into the 12th grade class. Like We need that multi-generational church to continue, and we can't, we can't let that go, in my yeah, opinion. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think I think we need to um, just I think our church is very close um, but just keep doing a good job with um, growing closer with um, Mm -hmm. we do a great fall fest I think it brings Mm -hmm. people together Mm -hmm. Um, summer blast really brings people together and pouring into the youth Um, we need to keep being intentional and I would say praying for ways we can even be more intentional with each other Um, whether that looks like maybe small groups more small groups more Mm -hmm. classes Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, just really not being content with where we're at but how can we seek God more how can we grow um, his kingdom more how can we live out you know what we're called to do um, yeah. keep like, jumping at that don't yeah. don't be content with get comfortable with the yeah, uncomfortable not, oh I come to church Sunday morning yeah good yeah which that is good <laughs> yeah well sure yeah but, that's one of the things that I think um, 
I've just been so um, so taken aback by is how, uh, in a good way, is how invested the people of First Church are in this church. Mm-hmm. Uh, deeply invested, and that's such a, a profound thing to see is uh, just how how much people are they they care they care about this church they care about the future of this church they care about the kinds of things that we're doing and how we are uh, really attempting to follow God into our future and all of those kinds of things people very invested and that is uh, you harness that and point that in the right direction and watch out yeah. Whitley County watch out yeah uh, yeah speaking of being invested. Um, forgot this question. What are you invested in? You, I know you uh, serve with youth on leadership team. Yeah. You want to talk about some of your roles in sure. that stuff? Yeah. Yep. Um, I yeah I do serve on our leadership team, um, and that's one of the things that for for some people uh, they're like, oh, so what is that? What's the leadership yeah. team here at First Church? And um, our leadership team is made up of uh, of elders, uh, stewardship. Which is uh, like a sort of the biblical function of a deacon, where they okay. they oversee f- the finances, yep. uh, and then our trustees are our facilities team, which is taking care of the uh, the actual physical buildings and property and, and things like that. So those three teams, there's there are some staff people that serve on each of those teams. So I serve as an elder and on the stewardship team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. Uh, um, that's that's one of the roles I play, um, and then um, and then as you mentioned, I, I get to serve with the uh, freshmen going into sophomores. Um, we host one of the connect groups at our house, uh, and we love it. Love having that group of kids over um, every Sunday. Well, not every Sunday night, but any any Sunday night that's happening in homes, it's yeah. at our house. Yeah, so we love it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, is that is that different for you as you work in the church and then serve? Like, how do you separate those two roles? I guess. Um, I don't think I separate them. I think it's uh, I think it's all one and the same. Um, I think. Uh, I think that as a, as a pastor, uh, I, I get to lead and serve in, in different ways. Uh, but I also this is also my church. So uh, just like anybody else, uh, we're inviting to serve and to use your gifts. And uh, and I've and I've got quite a few years of youth ministry experience. So yeah. to get to dust that off and um, and invest in the lives of teenagers again is like what a gift. Um, and, and very much getting to lead a small group of, of, of uh, soon-to-be sophomore guys and girls is just so fun. Um, so I, I, think it's, I think it's connected okay. in many ways. Yeah. yeah. And then soon enough, in the, uh, this coming this fall, um, there'll be a, a class or two that I'll begin to teach on on Sunday nights with some adults. So okay. a little teaser there. Okay. Stay tuned. Wow, that's Announce coming. Sneak peek. Yeah, you heard it here first. Holy cow. You heard it here first. Yeah. That's so nice. we're excited about <laughs> excited about that. It's a uh, kind of a video driven course connected to. Uh, I've been I, I I taught it even before it was a video driven course. Um, but uh, connected to um, 
um, Jesus prayer, Jesus prayer in John 17, when the night he was betrayed, uh, he is praying for, uh, his disciples. He's praying for himself. And then he's praying for the, the people that yeah. will come to follow, which and, is us, which is us yep. in years to come. Uh, and he prays for some really specific things. And a lot of that's connected to unity and what that means to be a unified body of Christ, to be one. Uh, and that, I think, is an important thing to be talking about right now. So I'm really looking forward cool. to that. Yeah. Is that a summer? This fall. This fall. Yeah. How will you do youth group and that class? So there's we've got a great group that lead the, the sophomores. So uh, I'll just be in and out a couple times when okay. yeah when that class is gone. We'll figure it out. Yeah. It'll be good. Oh, yeah. We'll figure it out. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, as we wrap up, we ask all our guests the same closing question. To make a break question. Is it really? No, you're going on a trip soon, <clears throat> you said. New York City with the family. Yes. Sounds amazing. Yeah. What is your dream trip? A dream, dream vacation. Dream vacation. You can go anywhere in the world. You can travel any way yeah. you want. You can teleport if you want. You yeah. can bring whoever, do whatever. Yeah. Spend as much money as you would like. Yeah. So when I was in high school, uh, I got to spend three weeks one summer uh, in a bit of a, like an exchange, mini exchange role okay. uh, in Paris. Wow. And uh, ever since then, I have wanted to go back and I've wanted to take my girlfriend and then my fiance and then my, now my wife. I wanted to take my wife back to Paris. So the dream trip, the dream vacation is to take my wife to Paris. What would you do there? Uh, all of Every, the things. All what wouldn't you do there? What wouldn't What I do? wouldn't you do? Yeah. All of it would would eat at all of the of the cafes and and we would eat our way through Paris, just delicious food. Uh, we would go to the museums and the cathedrals. Uh, we would do the Eiffel Tower. We would I mean we just we would do it all. Yeah. We would find our way out of the touristy kinds of areas into the the place where the locals go and and all of that. It would be. It would be lovely. And we're planning. We're planning it. We're, okay. we're focused on, uh, we've been married now for this December will be 23 years. We're looking at uh, like our 25th. Wow. Would be the Paris That'd trip. Be cool. Yeah. Was she your girlfriend when you went in high school? Yeah, that was the very beginning. Wow. Like, uh, like I think we had just sort of started dating. Um and then when I got back was really when it was like it ramped up and like yeah. let's make this thing official. You better like contact her. When you were in Paris. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was back in the day, back before um, WhatsApp and 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 all of the ways yeah. that you can get in touch. So it was sayonara, see you in three weeks. Dang. Yeah. Was she jealous? Uh, she was excited for me. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, sweet. This has been really good, Rob. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for your time and your openness. It's yeah. been cool. I yeah. hope uh, church family gets to uh, know you a little bit better from this and yeah. hopefully connect with you. You bet. Life. Yeah. Any closing thoughts as we wrap up? That's it. Appreciate you guys.
thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. That being said, it's been the Outreach Project. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Say, say peace. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>